Beautiful day today, Chase. Man, it's good out here. Man, it's so good. Just been dreaming about this all winter. <laughs> I know, it took too long this year. Holy crap. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing good today, man. I've been struggling a little bit with that seasonal depression kind of stuff, but just yesterday it started to kind of take a turn and I'm feeling so much better today. I'm doing really good. Cool. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I didn't know you were dealing with that. Like, you know how you can pick up on like little things? It's like, eh, I don't know, maybe we're just having a weird day. Yeah. Um, we see each other, I think, at enough of a frequency where you, you can kind of see some of that. and. I'm sure you see it in me all the time. Where you're like, man, he's. Ugh. I actually kind of felt like I was seeing that in you over the last week or two yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're nailing it. So I, I was going to actually ask you if there was something wrong. We don't need to do that on this session, but you know. <laughs> well, while we're here, uh, well, that that brings me to the topic that I'm curious to talk to you about anyway, which is where do you draw the line with vulnerability? Because this is something we talk about all the time, right? Is vulnerability is a big, important part of a healthy recovery, healthy relationships, really establishing strong connections and bonds with each other. Kind of even stepping into your own identity a yeah. little bit, right? Yes. And there's a way to do it wrong. Like go too, way too far, probably. Yes. Yeah, that's a great, great topic today to think about with vulnerability because I think we think linearly in, in terms of good or bad with all of these principles that we talk about. Vulnerability is all good or, it's, or it sucks, it's all bad, right? And what we teach over and over again is vulnerability is the key to your wholehearted living, right? Like that's, it's really the key essence of a wholehearted life and it still needs to be done in the, with proper boundaries, yeah. right? And. Uh, and I, I like what I like something that like Brene Brown said when she's talking about vulnerability, and she said that not everybody has earned the right to your story. And so, I think all of us are a little bit different. You know, you and I both have our vulnerable stories out on the internet right now. Like anyone can go watch our vulnerable stories, and and I think both of us are comfortable with that. And not everybody who's going to watch that has maybe earned the right to that story. And we might get some people who want to troll us or hate us or, or something else as a result. And that could cause us pain and suffering in the long run by having overextended ourselves and been too vulnerable, so to speak, to certain people. Right, right? To, to the public. To the public, right? Now, you and I don't care that much about that. And I think we've kind of made peace with the fact that that might happen. And we feel like the greater good is going to be served according to what kind of lives we want to live and the message we want to share and what we think God wants us to do, we're willing to take that risk. But sometimes there are people in our lives that, that aren't going to be helpful to us if we share the vulnerability with them. Right, right? yeah. You know, if I, if I struggle with, you know, some type of a problem that, I, that makes me feel small or weak or not good enough, you know, namely, you know, we would deal with addictions or trauma or something from the past. And I want to go share that with, let's say, like a family member, a brother or sister or my parents or something. And I go and I want to share that with them. But I know that what I get back in return is going to be judgment or is going to be ignorance or misunderstanding or is going to be somebody who like actually reinforces the shame of what I've been feeling. That's probably not the right place to be vulnerable. If that makes sense. That does make sense. So this is coming right on the heels of 
just this morning publishing a video of my wife, right? Which was uh, her, beautiful. Her vulnerable story. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was editing the video, I'm, I'm having a certain experience because it's my relationship with her, right? Yeah. And I'm feeling a stronger connection. I'm feeling more compassion and love for her. I hear the, the sorrow in her story. I hear the, the triumph. I hear the decision of, of character that she's uh, engaging in. And it, it makes me feel more love for her, right? But yeah. that's not gonna be the same for everybody across the board. And when I was finishing, exporting, you know, getting the, the video uploaded and scheduled to publish, all, all of these kind of little steps in the process, you have this moment in your head where you're like, do I really uh -huh. want to do this? Yeah, is this, and it's, it almost was harder doing this for her than it was doing it for myself. You felt vulnerable for her. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and because I care about her, and I, you know, somebody trolling me is different than somebody trolling her, right? right? And um, and not even trolls necessarily, but I like your example just now of of essentially a little bit of familial backlash. Yeah, like that's that's partly a real my concern. Possibility. And and maybe even a likelihood. Yeah, right. With right. with some of what. <clears throat> we know about her, her family dynamic. And so there's, there's some of that that is kind of getting to me uh, right now, or at least it's present on my mind of like, what's gonna happen, that's, you know? That's the vulnerable part that you're feeling right now. You're like, <laughs> you're feeling vulnerability for her because you know there's a likelihood that there could be some, some you see called a backlash, but tension or stress that's likely to come as a result of sharing. Right. She's had to make the choice of going, I know that this risk is here and I'm still willing to take the risk for the possible benefits that might come from it. But there's maybe a possibility that those things, that she is gonna have to wade through some of that challenge and struggle and tension, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it could be very uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. I, I like that you keep coming back to, it's not good or bad. It's either discomfort or uh, the other day you, you were describing something as being effective or not effective for your goals. Yeah. Um, and I think that's maybe a, a key component to, to this is shifting your mindset a little bit to uh, kind of embracing the discomfort of it to up to the, the right point. So I, I, I think I'm curious a little bit what what are some stories or situations that, like, where do you draw the line, even in the level of detail you share within a story, right? So maybe, maybe for me to say, like, hey, I've, I've been in a recovery from a, a sexual addiction is one thing, but then, how, you know, for somebody to know that, how, how much further are you willing to go in, in what level of detail before you're like, ah, too much, you know? Yeah. Because uh, even in, <clears throat> in the video that, that I did, there's plenty of things that I was, was really delicate about And you didn't sharing. share a lot of detail. Same with me. I mean, you yeah. can watch either one of our vulnerable stories online, and I would say that the, that even that vulnerable story is probably, <laughs> if we had vulnerability from zero to 10, I would say that my vulnerable story is somewhere in mid-grade. Yeah, yeah, like, same, likewise. There's, there's plenty of other details in the story that weren't shared in that video because for that setting, 
and that broad of a reach that we're trying to have to help people, those details would maybe be more of a distraction or they wouldn't be pertinent for the goal there. Whereas if I'm sitting in a session with a client that I've been working with for a long time and we have a, a deep relationship of trust, and I feel like some of the details are going to be specifically helpful to them, I might choose to share. So, so for me, like deciding how far to go, and I don't think I'm the best measure, measuring stick of this because I think I probably overdo it sometimes, um, but I ask myself some questions. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I, I've been accused of oversharing plenty of times in my life, Chase. So. <laughs> <laughs> I may have been one of the accusers, I don't know. But. Yeah, so I know my wife has. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so for me, there's some things that I kind of like, some guidelines that I try to use. One is, is the, is the setting that I'm gonna share these, this level of detail in, or this amount of vulnerability in, does it have a good possibility of helping the other person? And even if it's a risk to me that I might get judged or I might, you know, something might go wrong, if it feels like it might be really beneficial for the other, I often will take the risk and I'll share. Um, the, other, the other way that I kind of look is inwardly and I ask myself, you know, what are my reasons for doing this? If I'm doing it because it's like this shameful, compelled thing to do, then I don't really want to do that. But if I'm doing it and I'm like, you know, this is going to be a possible real connector for me and my relationship with somebody. And I feel like this person has gotten to a level where I can trust them to hold my stuff. And I know that they can like show empathy and understanding and that there'll be a safe landing spot to be able to hold this without too much judgment. Then it's worth taking that risk because the payoff is potentially so high because that's where real connection is formed. Like the birthplace of connection and I believe really the birthplace of like a wholehearted, vibrant life is the practice of vulnerability. Mm. So, so, but I'm not gonna do it with, you know, I'm not gonna call up a total stranger and tell them the deepest details of my whole sexual history today. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, but you know, some of my- That actually might be easier than- <laughs> In some ways it might, yeah, as right. long as I never have to see him again. Yeah. Right, um, but, but you know, like I think about our treatment and in our groups, we systematically push our clients into deeper levels of vulnerability in the assignments that we give them. Mm -hmm. And the goal is, is that as they develop relationship with each other, they feel safer with each other. They create this kind of like relationship that can hold that space. It allows for them to go deeper and deeper. And in going deeper and deeper, it eradicates the shame further and it allows for deeper connections, mm. right? So I don't even know if I answered your question. No, that, I mean, that's, that's it exactly. So I, I think one of the skills that you've probably developed it in your lifespan of doing this <laughs> is knowing how safe that person is, how appropriate that setting is, and, and all of those kind of nuanced elements that play into what to share and when um, because I, I mean, I, <laughs> early on when I was first learning about this uh, from you and one of the groups we were, um, you, you were facilitating back like seven, six, you, you know, years ago, I, uh, I felt like I was so excited about it that I was 
just trying it with every Everyone. relationship. Yeah. yeah. And it got to a point where I had to dial it back because I was getting the sense like maybe not everybody well, <laughs> wants you, the same. You're filtering your relationships pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, yeah. you probably found some some friends who are even closer friends and you probably lost a few friends. Exactly. Yeah. That, no, that's it exactly. So there, there is somewhat of a cost in yeah. the process, but it seems like, and correct me if, if you see it differently, but it seems like the only way to really uh, learn how to do this properly is by trial and error. Practice. Yeah. yeah I think it I think it is. And and that's I believe as it should be, right? Like how else are we gonna figure those things out? And sometimes we'll get it wrong and we'll learn. And sometimes we'll get it right and we'll go, Man, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. And and that, that hunger that you had when you started to learn that was because you started to taste the goodness of what it could produce in your life. You know, the other, the other thought that's really interesting, this is another dialectic that goes along with this idea of vulnerability, is the more that you practice it, at least for me, the more that I practice it in a certain area of my life, the easier it gets. Like, I could sit down, I could probably sit down with a total stranger on an airplane today and give them my whole life story in pretty great detail. And on my end, I could feel comfortable even though they'd be like squirming in their seat going like, How, when's this flight gonna end, you know? But, but I, wouldn't, I would walk away from that not worrying about it, you know? Like, because I've done it so many times now, it doesn't matter. So, so that's the one end of the dialectic. And then on the other end, it's like, go to, go to a totally different part of my life, and I still am petrified. I don't trust the principle that I teach all day, right? It's like, I know vulnerability is the way to go, and I know that it gets easier with time, and I know that it's gonna produce more connection over time, and yet move it into a different arena of life, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work here. Like, like, I don't think it'll work here. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, it's always hard. It never gets easier, you know? So yeah. it's like this weird thing where it does get easier and you can trust it'll get easier when you do it, but you never want to do it. Right. You know? Well, I mean, that's maybe the, that's how you know whether or not it's vulnerable though. Yeah. Right? Is, is does something become not vulnerable if it's, if it doesn't impact you, if there's, you know, any yeah. kind of I think I think you, you actually can, train yourself to go to greater depths of vulnerability once you get used to a certain level of it. And you're like, oh, this, this doesn't feel that vulnerable anymore. You Do know, you, <laughs> there might be something else now. Do you have an example of a thing that was like really back in the day, ooh, I would never share this. And then you kind of opened up, gave oh, it a shot. Yeah. And then like now it's just like, whatever. Yeah, you've heard this before, but I remember, I remember coming home from group one night and my wife, you know, I was probably a few years into my recovery now, and I was, I'd been, I was sober, I was liking where my direction of life was going. And my wife started asking me about my groups, and she said, Tyler, do you ever tell your group members that you're in recovery? Have you ever told them your story? And I was like, no. Like, I'm not telling them my story. Like, I'm the professional here. You know, like, I, I'm gonna lose all my clients. She said, I said, do you think I should? And she said, I think that's maybe your story the best strength you have. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. she's like, she's like, why are you not sharing your story? Like your clients could benefit so much from knowing that you're in recovery and that you've, you've got a story. And I thought, so I chewed on it for a week or two. And then I don't know why I selected this, but I was selected one of my women's groups to be the first night. I, <laughs> what type of women's group? It's a women's betrayal trauma group. Exactly. Right. Okay. So they've all been betrayed by their husbands. <laughs> And I, I'm like, ah, tonight's the night. I'm gonna 
So I, I, I paused, you know, our normal goings on group. I said, hey guys, group's gonna be different tonight. And uh, I spent most of the group telling my story. And I remember getting in my car afterwards and I was so amped up and so scared. I was shaking with my hands on the steering wheel driving home. I was sobbing, tears like, what did I just do? Like, I went home and crying to my wife and I was like, Rhiannon, I, I think I just ruined my career. Like, nobody's gonna come back. Like, I just lost, I'm gonna lose all of my clients, you know? And then I came back the next week and there was maybe, I think there was like 10 or 12 ladies in the group. The vast majority of them were like, that was the best group we've ever had. Like, oh my gosh, I respect you now more. I know I can trust you more because you've been through it. I was like, what? What? There were like three ladies that were pissed at me. You know, they're like, they almost felt that sense of like betrayal again, which I think is an indicator of kind of how vulnerability works where, right. but, but when I had that happen, I kind of got the taste of it and I thought, I've been sitting on an absolute treasure that I haven't been sharing. You know, I've been, I've been taking my candle and putting it under a bushel because I've been afraid of what people would think or losing my career or whatever else. And now, years later, this is several years later, we're way open about the process that we're, we're in and that we've been through. And, and I, I really honestly think that it's become one of the best gifts I can offer my clients because I'm not the smartest guy out there. You know, it's like, but what I have is some heart and I have a process that we've worked and it works. And sharing that process has been a real gift. So what about you? Oh, trying to think what would be the best example. You, but... you, you've made a life, <laughs> you've made kind of a whole second life of this very principle. <laughs> yeah, in a similar way of, of the oversharing uh, <laughs> accusations. So, um, I, I think one, one thing that is kind of an open door for vulnerability is uh, that we're a part of this practice that specializes in sexual addiction yeah. and betrayal trauma. So anytime people ask me, hey, what do you do for work? And I'm like, <laughs> You know, I'm a, the creative director of a, uh, of a, of a practice. <laughs> of a therapy practice. Of a therapy practice. Oh, what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I, I don't ever really shy away from saying what it is, but I kind of almost brace myself knowing that I'm going to see some... Uh, like, You're going to see other people clenching. go like, oh, yeah. I wish I didn't ask that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be on the other side of the basketball court. You know, <laughs> hopefully we're not all on the same team. Um, that's typically where it happens is with dudes on the basketball court. But, uh, it's, it's, it's such a funny, funny thing though, um, where that creates an immediate opportunity for a conversation to go, hey, here's kind of how I became passionate about this and why I'm involved in the first place. Um, so I would say that's maybe the primary place. And to me, that's the easiest thing to talk about now, it's like what you're saying, you kind of build up this, this uh, almost like a muscle for it. And I, I keep thinking there's these other areas of my life that I'm trying to get to that healthier place yeah. and figure out what that is. And one of them is just in my relationships with people. Um, so, I mean, you, this has been 
the, the theme, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways for our conversations is how do I have vulnerable conversations with people that don't destroy the relationship, but help, help it grow to its capacity, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's maybe a different direction altogether. Um, but I don't think it is, though, with your earlier question of how much do I disclose when? Yeah. You know, sometimes if you overdisclose, you shut down what could potentially grow into a way to connect with or help somebody if you don't overshare, right? Yes, so, right. And I think what you said is practicing that is a way to, you have to practice it to learn, you know? And there might be guys that don't come play basketball with you anymore, but you've probably learned from them, and now there's guys that do play basketball with you because you tempered it at the right pace, right? Yeah, which <laughs> is probably why we're, we're low on numbers. Yeah. <laughs> You, you gotta we played stop. three on three instead of five stop, on five last stop night. stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Chase yeah. is killing our group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Why can't I just be an engineer like everybody else? Yeah. Speaking uh, of vulnerability, here we are trying to have decent sound quality, and we got my dog making havoc in the background. Yeah. So that's River, you guys. <laughs> River. Looking, River for, looking for somebody to play with. But... Yeah, it was a great topic today, Chase. It was a good topic. Um, I've, I've been thinking about something I wanted to add to each of our episodes, and I don't know, I gotta, gotta build up the routine, uh, is a, a joke. <laughs> so not that this is gonna be, that they're all gonna be good jokes. They're probably mostly gonna suck, but, um, and, I, and I know you've heard this one before, so please don't steal the punchline. Um, but what's the difference between a dirty bus stop and a lobster with breast implants? I don't know. One's a, a busty crustacean, the other's a crusty bus station. <laughs> All right. So, so there you go. So you're going to tell it. a joke every, every uh, episode? Yeah, and then have likely no relevance That's, to the... That in and of itself is its own form of vulnerability because you just subject yourself to all sorts of judgment. So, <laughs> let us know in the comments what you think. All right. <laughs> About that joke. All right. Thanks, Chase. Yeah.